Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the 20th Sunday after Pentecost. Our order of service is in the bulletin. We're going to begin right now with hymn number 537, Onward Christian Soldiers. Draw near with a true heart 
and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Almighty God, merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful. I have disobeyed you and justly deserve your punishment both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for the evil I have thought, spoken, and done. And for the sake of my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. I now ask you before God who searches the heart, do you confess your sins of thought, word, and deed? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying, yes. Yes. Upon this confession, I, as a called servant of the word, announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Old Testament reading today is from Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. In this section, the Lord is talking about his vineyard, and his vineyard is the chosen people of Israel, and he's talking about all that God does for them and how he, when they rebel and wander away, how he tries to bring them back. I will sing for the, for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit, saying, God did so much, but yet the people rebelled against him. Now, you dwellers in Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Alleluia, Jesus said, I will proclaim your name to my people, O Lord. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Alleluia.
gospel reading is from Matthew 21, verses 33 to 43, Jesus' parable of the tenants. In this reading, we see how God is so patient in trying to reach out to his people. Jesus said, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir, come let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, the owner of the vineyard, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone? The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. God is so patient, but if people reject his message, he will send his message on to others and hopefully reach those others and bring them into his believing family. Let's sing our next hymn, hymn number 466, Though Thoughtless Thousands. Soon will the 
grace and love of our Lord and Savior be with us always. Amen. The word of God we want to consider this 20th Sunday after Pentecost is our epistle reading from Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 21, where the Apostle Paul was inspired to write. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who are our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow citizens in our Lord's kingdom, have you ever had the opportunity to see a greyhound race? I'm not talking about the buses, I'm talking about the dogs. A greyhound race is different from a horse race because in a greyhound race there are no jockeys. So they have to have some other means of keeping the dogs running in the right direction. And so what greyhound racers chose to do is they chose to have a rabbit, a stuffed rabbit, that would be mounted on a track on the inside of the racetrack, and that rabbit would end up leading the greyhounds around the track and to the finish line. Well that rabbit would be set to run just ahead of the dogs so that it would keep pulling those greyhounds ahead. There was one occasion in which at a racetrack down in Florida years ago, what happened is they were all ready for the race. The rabbit was set to be set off on its track. The, the dogs, they were crouched in position behind the gates. And the gates were ready to be opened. The gun sounded and the rabbit went off ahead and, 
and the dog started to run, but when the, when the rabbit got to the first turn, what happened is there was some sort of an electrical short and there was an explosion and the rabbit caught on fire and within moments what happened is that there was nothing left of that rabbit but some, some black debris hanging onto this bit of wire. And under those circumstances, the dogs were so confused, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. Some of them just stopped running. Some of them actually lay down on the track. There were some that kept on running, and because there was no, no rabbit to guide them, what happened is that they ran into a wall and broke some ribs. There were some of the dogs that just ended up howling at the crowd, but not one of the dogs ended up finishing the race. And now, when you think about this picture, we'd have to say tragically that we can be a lot like those dogs. We're all kind of chasing something in this life. We need some reason for living. And what would happen if your goal, if your reason for living somehow suddenly disappeared? And now what I'm talking about, what would happen to you if your reason for living, if your whole reason for living this life was your job or your hobbies or your family or money or sports or some other such thing, if that all of a sudden disappeared, then all of a sudden you could end up being like those greyhounds that didn't have the, the rabbit to chase any longer. That's why the Apostle Paul in our reading for today encourages us to say, let's press on to the goal, to the goal that Christ has won for us. And the goal that Christ has won for us is to, to live for us, for Christ, and to live for heaven because this life is not our real life. Our real life is our eternal life and our eternal life, that's our goal and it's also our goal for others. When Paul wrote these words, he was in a Roman jail for, for preaching the gospel and under the circumstances, he could have been depressed, but instead, he had his hope in the Lord. He had his hope in the Lord, and that hope in the Lord kept him going. And now, just before our reading, what Paul did is he talked about, he talked about how we're sinful and that we cannot be confident or... We can't base our confidence for this life in ourselves because then we surely, certainly would fail. But then, of course, what happens is that for us as believing children of God, what happened for us is that the Holy Spirit worked on our hearts. He called us to faith. He made us believing children of God. He made us God's adopted children. And because of that, because of that, we can join the Apostle Paul in saying, our citizenship is in heaven. 
We're, we're strangers here on this earth, but we're kind of like soldiers that our nation, that any nation would send off to some other nation to serve there. Those soldiers, they may be serving in that other nation, but they're always going to be eager to return home. And as citizens of heaven, we're kind of like that. We're saying, we're not where we belong. Where we really belong, that's in heaven with our Savior. That's our real home. Paul says, we eagerly await a Savior from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Since this life is not our real life, don't we ultimately long for leaving this life and, and will all of the sin and the sorrow and the sickness that are a part of living in this sin-filled world? Don't we eagerly anticipate the day, hey, and it is coming, this day is coming when the Lord will remove all sin from our bodies and give us glorified bodies like his glorified body, like the body he's had since he rose victorious from the dead. Don't we eagerly look forward to that? Aren't we anxiously waiting for that day when we'll experience such a wonderful change? a wonderful change. We'll never have to go to a doctor again. We'll never have to take medicine or drugs to deal with different aches and pains and trials and troubles. Isn't that something that we long for? And I'm, I'm sure we'd all say that we're eager for heaven. But as I've often said, if the Lord Jesus were to come right now and say, it's your time, it's your time, how would we react? Would we react by saying, well, God, can't you just wait a little bit? You know, there's this really great football game or playoff baseball game that I really want to watch. Or, but God, I have this company coming over for dinner and I've got everything ready and prepared and I, I just want to have that. Or, God, I have this great business deal coming on up and I'd really like to work through that. Or, but God, what I really want to do is I want to see my children or my grandchildren grow up and see what happens in their lives. Don't we all have to admit that we're probably a little bit or maybe a lot tied to this world and the things of this world and, and its riches too much? Oh, think for a second about that rich young, rule, that rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And what Jesus said to him is, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, then come follow me. But that ruler, he loved his riches, he loved the things of this world too much and he couldn't do it. And, well, when we hear that, we just kind of have to ask ourselves the question, could, could you do it? Can we focus on the goal that Christ has won 
for us. Paul said, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Through faith, what Paul knew is that Christ's blood had cleansed him of all of his sins and therefore his real life was not in this sinful world, but his real life was his eternal life, was eternal life in heaven. But Paul, even though he knew that was his real life, he wasn't going to just sit back in an easy chair, put up his feet and relax and, and wait for that life. He knew that God wanted him to still continue to fight the good fight of faith. And as he fought that good fight of faith, Paul, didn't, Paul knew that he wasn't earning his way to heaven. That wasn't the case at all because Christ had already done that for him. Christ had already earned Paul's way to heaven, our way to heaven as well. But Paul was, knew that he was a sinner who needed to keep on growing in his faith so he'd be a stronger, better Christian. And now Paul, he, he was pressing on to the goal by using God's words so that he could grow in his faith. And he was using that word of God so that he'd also be a better witness of the gospel to others about the Savior Jesus. Paul said, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. He's saying here that his number one goal in life was really to press on toward the goal of heaven which Christ had won for him. And that meant that what he could do is he could forget about his past sins. He learned lessons from the past sins, of course, but he could forget about those sins knowing that they were paid for, knowing that they were forgiven and that they were gone. So what he could instead do is he could look ahead. He could concentrate on the finish line, on his heavenly goal, his real life, his eternal life. Like Paul, we're sinners who have been forgiven. So what we also can do is forget what is behind and and press on toward our heavenly goal. But, but the fact remains that sometimes it's so difficult to forget about our past sin, to forget what was behind, because Satan always likes to bring it up. He always likes to remind us of our past and, and to get us to doubt whether we'd really be forgiven. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that all of us probably have skeletons in our closet, things that bother you, things that trouble you, things that you don't want anyone else to know about if it's at all possible. Let's remember that Jesus won the forgiveness of sins for us, for all sins, even those skeletons that might be in our closet. And what he'll do is he'll also give us the spiritual strength that we need 
to keep from falling to those past sins and to keep on fighting the good fight of faith. Consider for a second the Apostle Paul. Before God called him to faith, he was, before God called him to faith, before God called him to be an apostle, oh, he persecuted Christians. He persecuted Christians, but God forgave him and God helped him to move forward, to keep on pressing on toward the goal that Christ Jesus won for him. He was forgiven and he believed that. Well, let's never be guilty of think not of thinking that God isn't strong enough to do the same thing for us. The blood of Jesus really does cleanse us of all of our sins. Well, God will help us to point to, to focus our lives heavenward. Paul, Paul encourages us. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Isn't it kind of strange that in our earthly lives, it seems as if we can always have this desire to move forward. But that isn't always the case in our spiritual lives. And, well, what I'm talking about this is consider this. Don't we eagerly look forward to getting, oh, that new suit or that new dress or the new cell phone, that new piece of furniture, a new car, a bigger boat, a bigger home, don't we have all of those goals? But do we always have a goal to keep on growing in our faith? Most people aren't just come satisfied with where they are in their lives. They, they want to keep moving forward with earthly things. But when it comes to our faith, if only we'd always have that desire that we say, I always want to keep getting closer to my Savior. I always want to grow in his grace and love. I want to learn a little bit more about what the scriptures say. I want to be filled a little bit more with God's grace and mercy and love. Well, sometimes we too easily get satisfied or even apathetic about our Christian lives, about going to church and going to Bible study and reading and studying our Bibles on our own. And maybe we have to ask ourselves, are we on that direct nonstop flight to our eternal home, to our real life, or, or are we taking the scenic route and perhaps having detours that could misdirect us? Well, let's press on to the goal that Christ won for us. There's no limit to how much we can grow spiritually. And we, when, we, when we're growing spiritually, then everything's going to work better, work together better in our lives. That's our Savior's promise. He says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. When troubles come, and they will, we'll be able to handle them better and we'll know where to look for answers to those troubles when temptations come and, and they will come. God will help us to defeat Satan and sin. 
when tough decisions stand in front of us, and they will, well, we'll know to whom we can pray for help and guidance. And, and then also, just so we're not always sounding negative, let's say when good times come, and they will come as well, we'll know to whom we can look to give thanks and to ask for those continued blessings. So in our Christian lives, are we pressing on toward the goal because God is guiding and helping us? Or are we struggling and sinking because maybe we aren't taking as much advantage of the help and the strength that and the guidance that God wants to give us in his word. If we aren't pressing on toward our heavenly goal, we're putting ourselves in a very dangerous situation. Paul says, For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. When Paul wrote this, he was thinking of the Judaizers. They were people who claimed to be Christians, but actually they were wolves in sheep's clothing. They said that they believed in Jesus as their Savior, but they also said that to get to heaven, what a believer needed to do to partially earn his way to heaven, he needed to follow those Old Testament rules and regulations and ceremonies that were fulfilled by Christ's death and resurrection. The terrible consequence for those Judaizers and all who place their, their hope and their confidence for eternal life in rules and regulations and ceremonies at the heart of their relationship with God, they're, they're headed toward destruction. They're earthly-minded, they're glorying in themselves, in their man-made religion, and in their own achievements. And Paul says he weeps for them. He's so sorrowful that they seemingly would be kind of close, but yet so far. He's see, sorry to see so many of them claim to be believers in Christ, but by their actions, they deny Jesus as their way to salvation. Oh, there was this small boy who was playing next to a large grandfather clock. And at noon, what happened is that that clock began to chime to gong. And the young boy, as was his custom, he liked to count along with the clock as it was chiming. But instead of stopping at 12, it kept chiming. Something went wrong inside the clock, and the clock went 13, 14, 15, 16. And the young boy, he couldn't believe it. And so he ran to his grandmother who was in the kitchen and he said to her, it's later than it's ever been before. And well, he didn't understand what was going on, but, 
but he spoke a truth, he expressed a truth that we all ought to consider. Paul, Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. When we think of the wars, the tragic shootings, the natural disasters, and all the other problems that are striking our world all too often today, it's clear that, as that young boy said, it's later now than it's ever been before. People are being called from this life to eternity. So let's press on to the goal that Christ won for us. Let's press on to that goal. But living for Christ and heaven, that shouldn't just be our goal. We'll also want, to, want it to be our goal for others. For the many souls in our world who don't yet know Christ. So let's personally spread the gospel to our family, friends, our acquaintances, to anyone we can. And let's do all that we can to support the spread of the gospel, which tells us, forgiven sinners, that we really have this wonderful life in heaven to look forward to, which tells us that as believing children of God right now, even though we're in a sinful world, we, we have a wonderful life to live because God has made us his children. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, in your bountiful goodness, keep us safe from every evil of body and soul. Make us ready with cheerful hearts to do whatever pleases you. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, 
who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In our prayers, we think of all of those in our prayer list dealing with different trials and troubles. We'll say a bit of a prayer of thanks for Stan Krawczyk this week as he has finally been able to go back home. We ask you to please be with him. Continue to help him to recuperate. If it's your will, grant, grant healing for him, grant healing for others, but we always say please keep on giving to all of us more of your grace and mercy and love that that will enable us to keep on fighting the good fight of faith and pressing on toward the goal that Christ has won for us, and that is our real life. Of course, our real life, it begins in this life, and, and it continues forever in heaven. Help us always to be pressing on toward that goal, and we gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above, from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Thank you for joining me for worship today. Just a couple announcements to share with you. Of course, we keep on praying for what's going on in, with the war over in Ukraine and now in Israel. We keep on praying there for, well, for peace, and especially for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that, that, that the aggressors would know about Jesus as Savior and that could make such a difference. But in our congregation this week, Monday is Eli Vanderlee's birthday. Tuesday, Don Kunkel and Lynn Morris. It's also Dave and Sue Metzger's anniversary. And then Friday is Burr Webb's birthdays and it's Todd and Liz Hubert's anniversary. Told you about Stan Krawczyk and also would mention that Paul Kennedy, Diane's brother, dealing with prostate cancer, but as of right now, it sounds like he's in remission, and we thank God, we thank God for that. 
think that's what I have for announcements to share with you right now. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. The Lord bless and keep you always.